Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And FCBC, here's how I say it, what? We live... We live, we love, we serve. Listen, I want us to turn this morning to the book of Joshua. Joshua 24. And, and I, the comedian was talking about the pastor say he won't be long. It's like three hours later. That ain't the case here. Just two and a half hours later. <laughs> Joshua 24, verses 29 through 32. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Here's how it reads. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. They buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. The bones of Joseph which the Israelites brought up from Egypt were buried at Shechem in the portion of ground that Jacob had bought from the children of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you. and We honor you on this day. And we are grateful, O oh God, for this time just to worship. God, we will never take fellowship in your sanctuary and worship together for granted again we are grateful to be here today the pandemic is still real COVID is still alive but we are still here and for that we say thank you oh god we're grateful to live and we're grateful to love and we're grateful to serve and we will continue to serve so we can broaden who we are as human beings this is our prayer in your name we pray Amen. I just want to lift the line, really, from verse 32, just a portion of verse 32. The bones of Joseph, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the portion of ground that Jacob had bought from the children of Hamar, the father of Shechem. For 100 pieces of money, it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. Amen. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, neighbor. Don't forget the bones. Come on, turn to the other neighbor and tell him, neighbor, don't forget the bone. Now put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you take your seat. Don't forget the bones. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are considered the patriarchs of Israel. 
Abraham is considered not only the father of the faith, but Abraham is considered the father of three faiths. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Sometimes we forget that, that we are all from the same space and place, especially when we use our identity and even our beliefs to divide us. It is insane in some ways for Christians to hate Jews or for Muslims to hate Christians or whatever the hatred may be when we all come from the same place and the same space. We forget that. But Abraham is considered the father of the faith and faiths. The record says that when Sarah, his wife, had died, that Abraham purchased a portion of land in a cave in the Hittite country, which is in Canaan. Abraham purchased this portion of land that had a cave upon it in order to bury his wife, Sarah. But not only his wife, Sarah, but for his descendants to come, he wanted a place where he would be buried. The interesting thing is about the burial site is that Abraham's choice of site is actually in the place of promise. It is in Canaan. Again, he purchased the land from the Hittites in the land of Canaan. Why Canaan? Because Canaan was the land that Abraham was promised would be the children of Israel's land. That he was shown this place from the very moment that God called Abraham into relationship and service. The first thing God did, and whenever you get a chance, you go back and read the story. The first thing God did is not only make a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be like the sand upon the shore, but God told Abraham and took him to the place that would be his descendants, although it would not be his. I hope you get this. He, he, he let Abraham glimpsed the promise before the people actually inherited the promise. And Abraham made the decision that as his wife died and as he knew his days were numbered, he purchased territory in the land of promise for his family. So they would die in promise. What's amazing is that Abraham's prosperity was so large and his character was so amazing and his connection to God was so overpowering that even in the land where he was viewed as a stranger and an alien, his character and who he was spoke volumes. So much so to the point that when he went to purchase the land, they refused his money. They said to Abraham in a word, your money is no good here. God has prospered you. And because you have been in our land, we have benefited from your presence. But Abraham said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to purchase this land. And I know Abraham might have been thinking, if I can't claim it on my own means and resources, somebody may one day down the road take it from my family. So Abraham made the decision. He purchased the land. So the record said that his children were buried there. So much so today, if you go into some parts near Palestine, you'll see the tomb of the patriarchs, where it is believed that many of the patriarchs of Israel were buried. Isaac, they believe, is buried there. And then when you get towards the book of Genesis, the end of the book of Genesis, the 50th chapter there roundabout, it tells the end of the story of Joseph. You know Joseph's story. 
Joseph was one of Jacob's sons, one of the patriarchs. Jacob would then have his name changed to Israel, and Israel would have many sons, but the 12 sons would be the ones who would shape the 12 tribes of Israel. And you know Joseph's story. Many of you may know it. I won't go through that story of how he shared a dream one day to his parents and his brothers, and his brothers were enraged, and they wanted to kill him because in the dream it seemed as though he was making himself better than them because he told that there would be a day when those around, including his family, would have to bow down to him. And they saw that as a sign of arrogance, and they didn't understand it was actually a gift of prophecy. That what Joseph saw in his dream, in his vision, was that there would come a day where his people and his family would be in need, but God would have positioned him in a place where he could bless the people and bless his family. They couldn't see that the vision was about their breakthrough because all they saw is that their little younger brother was somehow, in their mind, belittling them and thought that they would all have to bow down. No, it wasn't about bowing down. Joseph saw that they would be blessed by how he would be positioned in a land that was not theirs. And so you know the story. They ended up selling him into slavery. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house, to Pharaoh's house, and he rose in prominence to be the second in command in a land of Egypt where they were actually aliens and strangers in the land. Oh my God. Can you imagine that sometimes you share something with people that is for their benefit, but they can't see it's for their benefit because their egos get in the way. There's so many people whose egos cause them to miss opportunities because they can't get past themselves. They'd rather suffer in selfishness than broaden their own minds to see that maybe what God is doing in you and through you and with you is actually for their benefit as well. But when you're busy thinking that you're missing and not gaining, you'll look at your blessing as being problematic because you can't receive. And somehow God might use other people to make away for you. That's why the idea of jealousy and hatred and animosity doesn't make sense to me, especially with people you do not know because you do not know what God will do with them in order to help you along the way. I pray all the time that God never keep me so bitter, never allow me to remain so bitter, never, never give me that thing that keeps me so bitter that I miss opportunities that are right in front of me. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody here today because there are more than a few of us in here who are guilty of missed opportunities because of reckless egos. But we could have been enhanced and made the better, but could not get past who we were. And we miss the opportunity to expand our territory because our minds were too narrow. Joseph got in position, and, and you know that story, and he, he was able to bless his brothers, his family. He took care of them in the midst of a famine in Egypt, a land where they were strangers. He made provision. He was not an Egyptian, but he rose to the rank of second to Pharaoh, and his position was so that they could be blessed again. And so here it is, when his father died, when Jacob died, when Israel died, he honored his father's request. He buried his father in Canaan. Well, then Joseph's years came to an end. And scripture says that when his years came to an end, he made his brothers who were still alive, he made them swear an oath. Because the scripture says that when he died in Egypt, that they embalmed Joseph and put him in a coffin, more than likely a sarcophagus in Egypt. 
But Joseph, before he died, said, listen, keep my bones here for now. But when you enter Canaan, when God comes to our people and bring us into Canaan, don't leave my bones in Egypt. Don't forget my bones. You, you, you hear that? See, we hear it and we think about it. And Joseph said, watch this. When God comes to us and gives us the promise of Canaan, get my bones out of Egypt. Because I need to be buried by my father and my grandfather and my great grandfather in Canaan. Why is that important? Well, when you think about Egyptian bondage post-Joseph, because when you get to the book of Exodus, something happens. It said that there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. In other words, the new leadership came to play in Egypt, and that new Pharaoh forgot the legacy of Joseph and what Joseph had done. And instead of supporting that legacy and honoring the people of Israel, that Pharaoh decided to keep them in bondage. Oh, you got to hear this story. And Israel was in bondage for 400 plus years. But the bones were still in Egypt. Oh, you need to get this. You see, when you get to the point of the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, it says that God heard the lamenting of his people crying out because of the harshness of oppression and that God would deliver them because of oppression. And then when God chooses the most unlikely candidate, Moses. And I know I'm telling this story, but you got to just stick with me. When God chooses Moses to liberate the people of God out of Egyptian bondage because they were in bondage for 400 years because of Pharaoh Rose, who did not know the relationship between Israel and Egypt, who did not know Joseph, that when Moses comes to be the liberator and deliverer of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, it says that when they left Egypt, you know the story, the plagues, all that stuff, and Pharaoh had to relent and let let Israel go, that when they left Egypt, guess what Moses did? He brought the bones of Joseph with him. Why is that important? Can I tell you something? One of the reasons why God liberated Israel is because Israel had forgotten about worshiping God. They had forgotten about worshiping God because they were no longer in a strong relationship because of their captivity, because of their bondage. And here's what you need to catch. They, over the 400 years, had waned in their worship of God in some ways. There were people who were descendants who did not know of Yahweh and all that Yahweh did. But here's the deep thing. Somehow, Pastor Trey, in the midst of oppression, there was a story that's kept being told. Even though they forgot about, well, no, they didn't really know how to continue worship over 40 years, and you need to, 400 years, which you need to know that that's 20 generations and over 20 generations, the connection to God from their perspective was fading because they did not have an opportunity to worship in bondage. But there was a story that kept being told. It was a story that reminded them that may have been the thing that kept them being hopeful in the midst of their captivity on some levels because the story that was told was that Joseph said, when we get to the promised land, 
bring my bones there and bury them. I know the story was being told. How else do you explain that 400 years later, Moses, upon leaving Egypt, did not leave the bones of Joseph behind? Somehow, the people, even though they were distant from God and disconnected from God and worship, they did not forget what Joseph had said 400 plus years before. Don't leave my bones in Egypt. And when they left Egypt for 40 years as they wandered through the wilderness, and by the way, there was a more direct route to Canaan, but God took them the roundabout way through the wilderness because the scripture says that God was afraid that they would run back to Egypt when they would have to face battle. And so God took them the way of least resistance. It took 40 years longer than it should have. But during those 40 years, they carried the reminder of the promise made to them by making sure that no matter where they went during those 40 years, being led by smoke and fire along the journey, facing Philistines and other enemies, they kept the bones of Joseph with them as a constant reminder that God's word is true. That we will not always be in the bondage. That there will be a day where we will enter the promised land. And those bones, those bones, those bones that travel with them from Egypt through the wilderness to Canaan was the reminder that it will not always be like this. Can you imagine for 20 generations telling a story of hope? For 20 generations reminding the people that there will be some deliverance. They didn't know how. They didn't even think it was feasible after 400 years. But those bones stood as a reminder. And somebody had to remember the narrative because Moses made sure when he left Egypt, he took the bones with him. Because they did not forget the story. Oh, my God. Can I tell you what's scary right now? That in some spaces, we are in boneless times. We're forgetting to tell the story. Can you imagine that we're in a day where there are people who doubt the story? Can, can you imagine that we're in a moment where in some spaces, we forget the story because all we see is a current crisis. But that story is the remembrance and the reminder of what God could do. Well, you don't have to go all the way back to Israel to remember how people can make it through hard, cruel, torturous, enslaved times who hold on to hope. I mean, that's the narrative of African Americans in this country. The only way we were able to make it through the harsh brutality and insanity of slavery is because somebody didn't forget the bones. Oh, God, I hope you can hear this today. That all those years, all those years of enslavement and someone was telling a story that it won't be like this always. 
those enslaved people would hide away and steal away time and go down by the river and they would begin to sing songs of, of a different day that this trouble won't last always. And, and they understood that even though there's a radical difference that some people don't get today with our sophisticated selves, they knew there was a radical difference between colonized Christianity and who they came to know in the carpenter. They were able to decipher that there was a distinction because everybody who used the word God don't really believe in God, that there are people who use their faith to hide their political agenda and they don't care really about the God of love, or the God of grace, or the God of mercy. They cloak their hatred in biblical language and spiritual language and they hope that somehow you miss the fact that they're not really true to who they claim to be but if my ancestors knew how to disciple the foolishness if they knew that everybody talking about heaven ain't going there if they knew how to do that why do we stand here now incapable of critiquing those who claim to be christian why does everybody talking about heaven Ain't going there. No. I've said it many times. Those unlearned, illiterate, enslaved people were the greatest organic theologians and biblical scholars you could ever imagine. They knew there was something different between what they were being told and what they felt in their spirit. And somehow the stories passed down from 1619 through 1719 through 1819 all the way up to 1863. There was a story that let them know these bones are still speaking. And there were some people they heard who died in their captivity. Can you hear? Just like Joseph who died never seeing the promise, but knew one day those bones would be moved to a land of promise. That's what we have to remember. There are bones still speaking, crying out from the ground. Right before the pandemic, many of the men went on our retreat to Montgomery, Alabama, to see the lynching museum and memorial and museum. And when we got to the museum part, not just the memorial, one of the most striking things that hit us when we went in was this. There were jars of dirt placed on shelves. I mean, jars and jars and jars. And the dirt in the jars were dirt taken from sites of lynchings around the country. They took the soil where people were massacred where people were killed, they took the soil from the location of lynchings and put them in the museum. Can I tell you something? That soil may have contained some of the remnants of those who were burned and brutalized. Why? Because they understood that when you get to a place where doors start to open and chains start to break, you better bring the bones with you. You better remember. You better remember those who came through, those who endured. How dare we get to a place where we cavalierly think about the history that has shaped us. We are here because bones are still speaking and bones are still crying and people are still wailing. And if you listen enough, you can hear them telling you, you've come too far to give up now. You've been through too much to let go now. If we held on from can't see morning to can't see night and still trusting in God, how dare you forget 
Can I tell you something? I come from good bones. I know how I'm here. And their plea today to all of us on this Juneteenth day of remembrance where the whole country, whether you like us or not, Do you understand what Juneteenth is? That the slave states in the South were in rebellion against the Emancipation Proclamation and refused to liberate slaves in the Deep South. And it took two years for those slave owners in Texas to let their slaves be free. And got the audacity. I'm blown away. When I hear people, racist, look at people like me and then say words like this. They're lazy. Oh, we're the lazy one who built this country. We're the lazy ones who nurse your children. We're the lazy ones who raise your family. We're the lazy ones. No. Can I tell you something? And here's what people miss. When they hear us talk like this, we ain't mad. We just love the bones. We ain't, we ain't mad. Why? Because Juneteenth is about everybody. Because this country can't be what it's supposed to be. If you're rife with racism and hatred, and we got more work to do now. In some a generation ago, we are seeing the reversal of things that those bones died for. And we can't let it go. We have to remember. We got, and I'm done. We got an emerge team, Pastor Dad shared, from somebody who was critiquing our jackets and, and said that the Juneteenth colors are red, black, and green. And even today, I saw a post, and they red, black, and green. And, and they had to educate the person. Because I got two folk born in Texas in my family. And the first time I seen a Juneteenth celebration, the colors were red, white, and blue. Why? Because this is our country, too. Don't get it twisted. Here's something. I was, last night, we were at... Tribeca, they closed our Tribeca with a documentary, an amazing documentary, actually, on the activism of Al Sharpton. And in it, you saw racists when they were in Bensonhurst and Howard Beach saying, go back where you came from. We didn't volunteer for this trip. Because it could sound, you see perspective, go back where you came from. I could have said, leave us where you found us. Listen, beloved, don't forget the bones. The only way we can have the tenacity and courage as a people, I don't just mean black folk, but as a race of people, human beings, to face the horrors that seem to abound right now. Hate is on full display. 
That's right, baby. You see, I'm not going to let her forget the bones. See, that's part of my responsibility to tell her unashamedly. Because that story is not a story of weakness. You hear me? That's a story of supreme fortitude and strength. Those bones still speak. And we have to carry them with us. Yes. Until we feel freedom is real. You got to carry those story with you and tell your children and your grandchildren. You see, when Moses was about to leave and he was talking to Israel, he told them how he brought the bones out of Egypt of Joseph. But before he told them and reminded them what he did, he said, there will come a day when your children will ask you, how did we get here? When you were in that place of freedom, let them know that there was a God who brought us out of slavery. He said, and brought us here. And here's what I tell people. If you pray to God to bring you out of something, that's a short-sighted prayer because there's two sides of deliverance. Don't just celebrate that God brought you out. Celebrate that he's about to bring you in. <laughs> Moses said, he brought, God brought us out of there to bring us in here. He said, and here's what you do. When they ask you, write the story in their hands. Put it on their foreheads, put it on the doorposts, because Moses knew that that was the way we would never dishonor God by telling the story. And then when he told me, he said, and the bones of Joseph are here with us as a living reminder. Yes, bones that live. Of what God has done. If there's any day. Any day. To brag about your tenacity, your courage, your strength. Yeah, yours. This is one of those days. And I don't care who gets sick of it. Because I'm proud of them bones. I'm proud of those bones. Come on, stand on your feet today. I need to put it to you this way. I know we're not where we're supposed to be in this country. But, but as in a documentary last night, Reverend Sharpton said in the documentary, he said, I've seen too much change not to be hopeful. Things are bad and we know they are. But here's the truth. They've always been bad. We didn't always have the tools to record it. All these stories that we've heard more of, how many stories like that have existed we've never heard of? How many countless young people died not knowing the truth? We didn't know the truth. We didn't hear until technology gave us the story, the larger story. But in the midst of that, we've seen a lot. And we're people of faith. We always remain hopeful because hope in the face of insanity is not insanity. It's a courageous act. 
to believe even when it don't look like it will come to pass to believe because here's what I said at the inward journey on Friday. You are closer than you think to the thing you thought was impossible. You hear me? You are closer than you think to the thing you thought was impossible. That's where we are, beloved. And today is a day of hope for this nation. That we are exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C, and you count of what fortitude looks like. Because we were not supposed to still be around here. But as my that prophet of comedy said years ago, the late great Robin Harris, we don't die, we multiply. Beloved, I want to pray very quickly before we go to our giving and announcements when we leave. As far back as you can go in your own family history, the furthest you can go back in your memory to that person you can remember or been told stories about, just right now, just if you can, just can't, just, just whisper their names, just whisper their names. It's not always people you ever got a chance to see or people who even saw you with those bones of why you're here today. Think back as far as you can remember the stories of great-grandparents or even great-great-grandparents. I thank God today that there's a woman in Texas City, Texas right now by the name of Clarice Long who can say that she's lived long enough to see her great-great-granddaughter. That my granddaughter has a great-great-mother, grandmother. Call their names right now. Just whisper those names of those persons who passed, who you may have even heard about. Because why? Because... They prayed for you when you weren't even born. Every prayer they made into their future was for you. There was some, there's some people in your lineage right now who are picking cotton and had you on their mind. You hear me? They wanted to see a better world for their descendants like Abraham. There's some of us in here right now whose family has land down south that, that some newly freed enslaved person purchased and said, this ain't just for me, it's for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren. Call their names. Let the bones speak through you. Let them speak through you. Because this fight right now ain't about you, I will give my blood to this freedom fight, to this justice struggle, so my granddaughter won't have to see this again. God, we thank you today. We honor you by not forgetting the bones. Those who've died fighting 
those who prayed for a different day, those who worked, who believed, who planted seeds that they would never see come to fruition, but they knew that a better day was coming. Some born in the fields and some born in the shacks and some born by the river. But they believe a change was going to come. God, we are from that place. And we must continue to tell the story. Because our story, the story of formerly enslaved people, is the American story. Whether people like to hear it or not. Thank you. And here's the truth, God. We will not let those bones down. We will continue to work and struggle if need be for a better day. We love you, God. We thank you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.